Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe Knicks podcast. Matthew Miranda joined by Stacey Patton. And there's no time for preamble. There's no time for an ad read. There's no time for anything but to just get right into a story that in many ways has been uh, developing for, I would say, over a year now. Um, and it finally all came to a head tonight. And of course, that was Evan Fournier receiving significant playing time in the Knicks defeat. Oh, I'm, wait, sorry. Different pod. Um no, the trade. There was a trade today, and everyone is in their feelings about it. And I understand in my logical brain that, like, there's no way to know what to make of this trade until five years from now. Like, if you recall a year ago, the Timberwolves were raked for the Rudy Gobert trade. Utah looked like geniuses. Danny Ainge once again was prince of the world. And a year later, not so much. At least Minnesota looks great. And Utah still looks like a rebuilding team that doesn't really have a a primary star. So can't judge anything, but we have our feelings. And I'm curious, Stacey Patton, um, I was having <laughs> I was having the most frustrating day. Um, and I was literally in a van about to move something. And I checked my phone and I was reading something on this the strict cord and it didn't make immediate sense to me. And I and I left and I came back like two seconds later. I'm like, wait a minute, that that sounded like there was like a trade, but obviously there wasn't a trade. And I double checked again and I saw, I think, Quickly's name. And I was like, there's no way there, was, there wasn't a trade quickly. And then I went and saw what happened and I saw the trade. So I'm curious, um, what was your day one overall reaction to a lot? I mean, there, there's a lot to get into here. What did you find yourself reacting to today? Yeah, it's a mix of emotions. So the first tweet that said that came out was the. The Raptors have traded OG Ananobi for RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quigley, and DraftCom. I'm not going to lie. When I saw OG Ananobi, I was like, oh, <laughs> and the Knicks. And then I saw yeah. RJ Barrett. I was like, okay. And I saw Quickly, and my heart sank. <laughs> yeah. And then I saw draft competition. I was like, and draft competition. Uh-huh. And then as I've learned with lots of these trades, you have to wait a little bit because things get reported in pieces. Um, and so – when I found out that, and this was this was a day, by the way, after I had been spending all day arguing about people, arguing with people about why Dejounte Murray was not better than quickly, certainly not as a defender. Um, and you know, some of the things I brought up was that the Hawks are actually better with Trey Young on and Dejounte Murray off on defense. Than we this is your new Jimmy game. Butler's college free throw rating stat. That like just has well, made just its way it's right. Like, if, if he's a good defender, why no, are no, they I... better with Trey Young on? Yeah, like, and why are they even with both of them on? If you put Trey Young on and him off, they are better on defense. And Trey Young is universally accepted to be the worst defender ever. And um, they're asked no matter what. Don't get me wrong, except when both of them are off. But um, 
I spent a whole day arguing that and why they shouldn't trade quickly for Dejounte Murray. Traded from OG with no draft compensation. It makes a lot of sense because they still have a lot of flexibility. Um, I'm going to give my take on the trade first. It is a, a logically very good trade. Um, they're giving up a guy who, even if they started him next to, to Brunson, which I think they should have, um, I, I will talk about this, but if they're going to trade RJ, and it looks like from the trade, RJ Barrett's trade value is not very high. If his value was really that sunk, it would have been worth it to just start IQ and Hart next to Brunson and Randall. If you look at the, that four-man lineup, whether it's Hartenstein or Mitch at the five, they have not just been good. They have been blowing teams out of the water. This is, These are the kinds of numbers that are up there with like the Golden State Warriors death lineup, except it's more sustainable because everyone's kind of in a natural position. Um, the, the idea that quickly was too small and they give up too many mid-range jumpers that are contested was just fucking bonkers to me because how many threes does he take away? Um, there's a lot there. Um, there's a lot sentimentally. You can't, I mean, I was sentimental to Frank, and I think Quickly's 100 times better than Frank. I don't, I think the trade I would liken it most to is when they traded Danilo Gallinari, who really started to put it together that year next to Amari and next to Felton. And that team I really liked, and they traded him for Mello, and I loved Mello. I was a Syracuse fan growing up. But giving up Gallinari and Chandler was tough. And to me, Chandler is the RJ in this trade where it's like, I get it. You can find guys like that. Gallinari was the guy in that trade who was like, oof. Um, and, and honestly, the big, the biggest thing they lost was the first round pick. Um, but to answer your question, was this the right move? Yeah. Like, we've been waiting for so long. What are they going to take the next step? This is the next step. Now they're, they are no longer the fun. Or sorry. They, they, they're still going to be fun, I think. Um, they are no longer the up-and-coming young team we're watching. Be like, oh, what are they going to do next? What are they going to? Well, this is next. This is well. This is the first part of the next. And now, now it's all in. Um, and there's a little bit of relief there. It's like, okay, if you're wondering what the plan was, this is you. You're starting to get that there. But um, but so my initial reaction was, I think they needed to move RJ. They needed an upgrade of that position. And getting OG and Anobi is the right type of upgrade. And I believe in Brunson and Randall now, to be honest. We can talk more about why I have believe in more in him than I did, you know, maybe after last year's playoffs. Um, I believe in those guys. I That's is why I did not like Becky Hammond's comment, because I think that offensively they do have enough um, if they surround them with the right guys. And OG is exactly the right type of guy. Uh, but IQ is a steep price to pay. And... You know, all the people I saw today saying, if you think that was a thing or, you know, like it's it's crazy to me. I think there's so many people that are like, if you like IQ, you're IQ hive. And that's coming from tip psychophants, right? So I'd rather, first of all, it's funny because a lot of the play, people who wanted quickly to play more are saying, look, the team plays better with him on the court. Can we just try that more? It had nothing to do with him as a person, really. And all of the people who are like, no, nah, he sucks, were Tib psychophants. So if you're a Tib psychophant and you're accusing people of being IQ high for supporting something that literally makes the team better, you can't say, oh, you care more about the player than the team. You care more about the fucking coach than the team. That's way worse. You care about some old fucking white dude more than the team. 
I care about an actual player who makes the team better and for some reason isn't playing more. Um, so that pisses me off. But like the actual trade, look, I, I think Leon Rose knows what he's doing. And and I and the last thing I'll say is this, right? Like with RJ here, they were in this peculiar situation where ideally next to Randall and Brunson, you want a wing who can cover up for them. Again, I will say this. I think the combination of IQ and Hart did that for them in many ways. But there's two things. One, you still have RJ on the roster, making you know 25 plus a year, and he's not giving you that. And you have to start him, but you know he's not giving you that. And number two, there's one thing that IQ and Hart can't give, and this is the one of the less talked about things that I'm very curious if they do. OG is a very versatile guy. Hart and IQ are great defenders. They can play up. Hart cannot make it so they can play Randall at the five. It, it makes it very difficult. They they tried that last game with RJ and they really struggled on defense. I think that was a good lineup and I think it's better than you know, Todd actually played great tonight. We can talk about that, but that's better. But I am very curious. And if if Tibbs doesn't go to this enough, I think that is a that is fair grounds. That is a very fair thing to because especially if, the, if your backups are Sims, you know, we can talk about pressures Chua now they have them. Randall, like this is the lineup I'm envisioning that could be like, this could change a series against Boston or Milwaukee. Brunson, um, you know, uh, DDV, uh, DiVincenzo, um, uh, Hart, OG, and, uh, and Hartenstein. Or instead of DiVincenzo, if you want a Grimes, fine. But Di- DiVincenzo, I specifically mentioned because him and Hart are great rebounders, right? So if you think OG and Randall aren't going to give you great rebounding, you have two great guard defenders, a guard forward, whatever. You have spacing. You have the kind of defender at the four who can cover up for... You have three great defenders, two, three, four, right? You have DiVincenzo, Hart, and OG. You still have your two top guns in there. And now you get to... like. Brunson was has always been great, but he was in, in Dallas. He was amazing in those five out lineups. He was unguardable. He is pretty close to unguardable now. With five out, and Randall can go five out too. Uh, it, it, Tibbs has to try that. I, I, but that that to me takes this from like, okay, we get this trade. It makes more sense from a roster construction perspective to like, no, nah, this is a game changer. But I just talked a lot. There's a lot more feelings I have on every side. Overall, like I'm not criticizing. I, I think this is a good trade. Um, I think it has a heavy cost, but you know, that is how business gets done in the NBA. Reminded of Churchill after the British got their first final victory in North Africa over Rommel. So gave that famous speech where he said, "It's not. It's not the end of the beginning. It's the beginning of the end." Right? Flip. It's no, not the okay. beginning of the end, but it's the end of the beginning. Yeah, I feel like that's what you're saying. And that's it's I feel the like the end of the like. We're, we're, I mean, doesn't? I don't. Sorry to interrupt, but like, it doesn't feel like we've had this vibe about the Knicks team. I, I don't mean vibe in terms of good vibes or vi- bad vibes. It's like, it's like when they lose. Now you want them to be good, but the stakes are not like they have to contend, right? They're up and coming. I don't think. I think they're not. This today was the move that made it so that they're not up and coming anymore. They're in. You know. And that, I mean, it's a good thing and a bad thing, you know, or there's positives to that and negatives to that, but it's, it's, it feels like the end of an era. And I don't know if that's overstating it, but yeah. No, I think when you look at, I think the number that 
stands out to me is um, 27 is what I don't know people will be next season. And to me, there's a clear, like you're saying, like one thing that has shifted is for a number of years, oh, the, all these guys who are 25 and under or 23 and under, like, well, now your guys are 27, 28, still young. Like you re-sign on an OB, which sounds like something that they think is a, a pretty good, good shot of happening. You've got his entire prime ahead of him, presumably Brunson's. Like Randall's 28. Uh, Mitch is still young. Like it's still the young team, but the timeline has shifted. And that's one thing that's changed. And I think also, you know, what shows you in terms of an arms race, like, you know, the country is ready for war when they move up to a certain caliber of weapon. It's been obvious this season to me in the 13 games the Knicks have played against Boston and Milwaukee that try as he might and he had some good moments. RJ is not. There were, there were. Chris Middleton gave him fits all season. Not, I don't know what the numbers say about it, but watching RJ just in the process of defending Chris Middleton did not look comfortable. Jalen Brown can just do things that he's bigger than RJ Brown. He, RJ Barrett, he's more athletic, he's better. Um, you were never going to win in those games. And that's, you know, that just became a reality. Like, for years, it was maybe RJ can become an all-star. Okay, maybe not an all-star, but <clears throat> we don't need him to score 25 a game because Randall can do that. We, we can just get RJ to shoot a little more efficiently. Okay, maybe he'll never be a great shooter, but if he can just play make a little more, cut down on the turnovers, be a little more efficient, give some defense, and there are always flashes because I think he's, a, he's an NBA player. Like, he, he has begun – Late last season and definitely into this season has struck me like, um, oh god, what was that dude's name from North Carolina? Um, Harrison, oh, Barnes? no, was he from North Carolina? Marvin Williams, yeah, was he from UNC? Yeah, he was number two pick. I mean, he yeah. was ahead of his time, he super, super, super good. high draft pick. He ended like, up being highly... a really good player, actually. That's okay, <laughs> that's like the opposite of how I do RJ, but. Sorry, well, in, in the sense of, like, Marvin Williams was not a sick athlete. He wasn't the two-pick because he could jump out of the gym or because he was, like, the quickest guy with the ball. He had a he was, like, an NBA player. He was a fine NBA player. Harrison Barnes is another good example. Like, at some point, they're, they're projected to be something. And I, I think Barnes, I, I don't know. They're projected to be something, and they turn out to be, like, very good NBA players who just aren't like that. They're just not that thing. And RJ, I think is obviously not that thing and in another situation i think his skills translate better i think this is a, gr- a good trade for both teams and as a fan of barrett and quickly i think it's a wonderful opportunity for both of them quickly is immediately unless you define scotty barnes as a guard quickly immediately becomes the raptors best guard he's going to get minutes he's going to get shots barrett i think i've said it since high school and it even, it's even kind of the case here until they get rid of Siakam, if they get rid of Siakam. He once again, RJ's kind of going to a situation where, like, is the spacing much better? Pirtle can't shoot. Siakam's oh, he, not as He good. can't start. I mean, everyone's like, he's going to start. It's like, they'd have to bench Gary Trent Jr. to start him. They're not benching Gary. Gary Trent Jr. is a good... If they, the Knicks had traded for Gary Trent Jr., he, I mean, he, it would make sense for him to start, you know? This isn't DiVincenzo. Like, he's a a 6'6 big time shooter who can hold up on defense like 
I'd, I'd be surprised if RJ starts. There's a, there's a chance quickly doesn't, by the way. Shooter is a very talented point guard as well. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, like I think you're 100% right. I don't know that like everyone's like RJ is going to ball out. It's like I, I love – I think that what Scotty Barnes gives IQ is – by the way, IQ and Randall, we should talk about this. They had great chemistry yeah, like, they did. from their rookie year, from his mm-hmm. rookie year. It started out where IQ was just a guy who, like, I'm like, Elf could shoot the ball. And he was like, Julius, you go cook. They can't leave me open. And if they leave me open, you'll find me. That was mm-hmm. the base of the chemistry. It evolved into a lot more than that. And Randall, for our, as proud as he is, there's two, really two guys he'll defer to, or he would defer to. Brunson, obviously. And he would quickly would wave him off. And you never saw Bruns, uh, Randall get upset about that. And because I think they had, like, Randall knew that the ball is going to find me or quickly is going to get a good shot. Um, I think that's what quickly has a little bit with Barnes. And I think one of the things that I wish the Knicks did a lot more of, quickly is a good screener. Is it probably some illegal shit? Yeah, but he gets away with it. He's a good screener and he's a threat off the screen. And quickly screening for Randall opens up so much for both of them. I think that with Barnes is going to be really tough because I think Barnes, I think Randall's a better player for sure. Um, but Barnes is probably a little bit of a better passer even than than Randall. And I think that, and I think that they're they can really like I think that is a perfect match for both of them because Barnes is shooting well from three. He's never going to be I I think he's always going to be a guy you want going to the rim. He's like a version of Ben Simmons that figured out that, okay, I need to at least shoot a little bit. Um, but he, you still want him next to a guy like, you know, if if Barnes had had Maxi and quickly and Maxi are very different players, but just that space and that gravity and, and kind of the ability to play on ball and off ball to create for Barnes. I love that fit. I don't know that RJ is necessarily going to have the most success unless he's just a six man. And I think he can be great as a six man on that team, but um but I think to your point, like I think you you said it perfectly, right? We we've been lowering our expectations for RJ. And what do they need? What do they need next to Randall and Brunson? They need some like I wanted Lowry Markinen for a long time. I'd still take Lowry Markinen. But I also said if you really believe in Brunson and Randall, even OG, I uh, now if they'd kept IQ and they got OG, I would be hundred percent saying this. You start IQ because like what do they need now? This is the this is the thing with the trade. It's like what do they need now? You have Brunson, Randall, OG. It would be great. I don't. I don't really love OG as a creator. I love a lot of stuff about his game. I think he's he's a very reliable shooter. He's a much he's better a, finisher than Barrett was. Better finisher. He is everything. By the way, he's advertised to be on defense. This is not a situation. This is not a Dejounte Murray situation. By the way, this is everything. You remember Tony Douglas? Yeah, great defender, right? was all it was like. I think defensive player of the year in the ACC, like his year, yeah. and he, and I was so like, this is before I got in no shit. I was like, oh, they got Tony Douglas. This guy's gonna lock everybody up. He yeah, could have been, he could have been you out there on defense. <laughs> I man, I I'm a lock up. I I take that. I take that. So <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment because you're saying I'm an NBA lead. Calling you out, Tony Douglas. Come and get it. Now you're calling. You're promoting me. That's that's. I'll take that. Um, but there's a difference between being six, eight and that. And also just like, I mean, Cam Reddish is getting a ton of like watch Cam Reddish play defense. That's really getting elevated right now and watch OG. There's a reason why the on off supports it. OG is all of that as a defender. Um, like his, I, I, his entire career. Sorry. 
Um, and and I think I think he he also gives you he can play anything from two to four. I legitimately I'm like, uh, pro, sorry Matt. In advance, if they don't play OG at the four next to Randall the five, especially if they're giving and like I love what Taj Gibson did today. I really wish Taj Gibson could just fucking save the Knicks because that would be such an awesome thing to write. It's just it isn't a and like, but if you can unlock Randall at the five because OG is that like I think he can be that good of a defender. That's a fucking game. That is the kind of thing that you need to beat Boston or Milwaukee. And and maybe I'm overstating it, but uh, but to get back to your point, like he is all of that. And and RJ at his best was a guy that could execute his job at his best. You also want a guy who can knock down open threes in the upper 30s. OG is never going to be confused for Desmond Bain. He will knock down open threes. Like those, those are the basic things we need, and OG gives you more than that. Now, can he? Cre- but what you lose is RJ did give you stuff off the dribble, which maybe he did it too much. You still need that. That's why they kept IQ, and he can give you that, and you get everything OG gives you on defense. That would have been a nightmare. I mean, if you have IQ, OG, and either Hartenstein or Mitch at the five, that's a nightmare on defense, and they have spacing. They don't have that, so they're gonna, they're gonna need to fill that hole. They need a two guard, but it's a lot easier to fill that two guard hole, you know, and because they don't need someone as good as IQ, to be frank now, at the two. They need, if they got Gary Trent Jr., if they got Norman Powell, I think there's guys that can fit that where they're good enough on defense and they can shoot and create a little bit off the dribble. Like that, now that they have OG, that that suffices. Um, suffices? I don't know. Sorry, Matt, you're the uh, English professor, so you let me know. Suffices, suffices. Uh, it suffices. <laughs> it suffices to say that, right? Um, whereas before, with RJ not up to par, all of the, if you think about all of the guys that they've been rumored to get, DeRozan, De uh, Mitchell, <laughs> Donovan Mitchell, Murray, <laughs> um, Levine, right? It seems like these scoring guards, right? Or even kind of role player guards like a Gary Trent or Norman Powell, those guys are available. But the six eight, six nine guy, I mean, I saw Knicks fans trying to do trades for Trey Murphy. New Orleans isn't trading Trey Murphy for the same reason why OG Ananobi was so coveted. Like a lot six, of teams nine, wanted switch, to do. If you can shoot, switch positions, pause, and you know, like all of that. That's way harder to find. And I got an argument with Dallas Amico on the strict court about this. And, and I think he made some good points. It's like, yeah, but IQ does like creation and actually good defense. I, I get that art part of the argument. I think finding a lot of that at 6'5 is just way harder than at 6'9. And the reality is the Knicks needed that. And I think going forward, it puts them, it, it gives them a little bit more leeway in who they can target. And they still have all their picks. That, that was the biggest win. Once once I found out they hadn't traded first, they traded Detroit second, which is a quasi first, but they still have all of their own unprotected first. They still have the three protected, whatever you think their value is. They can still, like, and my, my prediction is that eventually is going to be Donovan Mitchell, but they, um and, and I think if you have OG, then the concerns about a small backcourt with Brunson and Mitchell are, are diminished, right? So. Yeah, that's one of the, there's, there's still a lot to talk about with, the particulars in this trade but i think one of the interesting components of it in terms of the summer and in terms of what the next move will be is that yeah now pieces that didn't make sense i think before do make a lot of sense now and it's it's really refreshing to me 
I love the fallout of a trade because like literally like the closer you can get to the epicenter of it, the more just bizarre like opinions and takes will manifest. Like this just shit will be said five minutes after a trade that like a week later you're like, what? like I don't know how many good things Leon Rose has to do before some people like are comfortable that he's maybe not an idiot. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I mean, this is the Bargnani trade. Like the last time we traded Masai Ujiri, it was a clear fleece. Maybe this will end up being that. It definitely doesn't. That seemed like it was on the first surface, right? It well, the, definitely the, the, doesn't the, seem like that on the surface. Even if you, well, how much you love quickly and how much you think OG sucks, I don't think anyone actually says. I mean, Schwinn, Schwinn is a huge IQ fan, and has shit on OG a lot. And but he said it was like this is soulless, but it makes sense. <laughs> Which we can leave. That part of it, I think, is important. And I, I think personally, like, yeah, like it was cool. We talk about this part. Um, but you know, it's it's you can't just say it's a stupid trade, right? No, and I think I think there's probably a lot of Nick fans, especially Nick fans who are online, um, who have not had like that soulless thing is how it goes. Like the 99 Knicks and all the glory that came with that and all the great pure memories, and it made so many people Nick fans for life. That doesn't happen if they don't get rid of Starks and Oakley. For Springwell, the guy who punches coach, right? And Marcus <laughs> Camby was not like, oh, like like Marcus Camby had question marks. Um, but it was like you wanna you wanna win. Like that's that's if that's why you're doing this, like you're gonna make moves like that. And it's not a bad thing. It hurts, it hurts because it matters. It's to me, it's very similar to the losses now. Like the game that they lost in Orlando the other night, that game hurt me. Like I was ready to rage after that game. And the reason I was was because that game felt to me so much like an old playoff game, like the kind of game that mattered like that, that stayed with you either way, like will ruin your next day um, if it doesn't go well. Like shit matters now. And when you make these kind of moves now, like you're saying, like it's not gathering so-called assets. It's not, you know, punting for, it's not moving for flexibility. Like now you are. It's not even are... trading Dennis Smith in a second for Derrick Rose. Like this, everything, the stakes feel higher every night. Every move, it's it's changed, you know. Yeah, this is intelligent design. Like this is now conscious. This is not things happened. We're waiting. We're we're pending. We're buffering. This is a concrete decision. Like we're going in this direction. I think it's very exciting. I think it's a good fit. I think especially if the next move works, um, I think it's a nice, nice, nice fit. Um, beyond, I don't know because there's much more we can, we can talk about with him also. As someone who's very invested in the Knicks just like having a good competitive season, and I think that matters for them. I think this is another reason why, to me, I think Achua is a big part of the trade for me because I think the Knicks, I think it's important in this in this continual pursuit of a star to have two years in a row that show like that wasn't a fluke, that wasn't um, like show that the Knicks can, can sustain this. And I, the watching them the last couple watching them since mitch went down and watching jericho sims who was not the answer and taj gibson and these are all people like doing their best i have no question or concern about anyone's effort like jericho sims would not be a rotation big for most teams in the nba taj gibson would not be on the bench for most teams in the nba let's let's shout him out by the way he had a good effort tonight i thought like I want to shout like he's been he's done every more than they could have asked even on his shittiest performances and there have been shitty ones like 
Milwaukee, we don't win that game without him, by the way, on Christmas. Yeah, that was so, his Kurt Thomas game, the Kurt Thomas Utah game. But he um, is, yeah, I think that's a good comparison. He is, he is late career Kurt Thomas. Thomas. You had Mitchell and now to Thomas, man. You passed your bedtime. <laughs> um, but um, but no, I I want to. I actually want. I think he's and like he's been a part of this turnaround. He was here and and like I think it's important to recognize the guys. I mean. We can talk about this afterward, but it is kind of part of the surreal part of this today is that in that 2020-21 season, um, no, sorry, 21-22, when the Knicks were just at their low point within the Tibbs era, I think that's fair to say, right? They had a 3-17 and stretch. The one bright of hope, the one, wow, the one <laughs> light of hope, uh, the one bright shining light, whatever you want to call it, was, you know, quickly Obi Toppin, RJ, um, those were the three guys, really, right? Grimes was there, too. McBride, who just got extended, was there, too. But it was really quickly Obi and RJ. RJ was empowered, you know, with Randall eventually being benched to, like, do more quickly, scored 40, had a triple-double in the game before that. Obi was going off. Uh, and they're all gone now. And that's really weird to think. It's just, like, forget positive negative like those were guys who were here they helped us build it up randall uh, by the way if we ever traded randall you know I, I you're a bigger fan than me of it randall but i would i would that would mean something if we don't win this ring if we want a ring and it, it ain't without randall like as much as like he's had his downs like i would never deny that this is a guy who has been at the center of everything we lost three guys who were too and that's part of what makes us feel a little surreal. And, you know, the, the emotional part of a fan of being a fan is tough to take out. I do think the difference is that, um, look, I haven't been crying looking at OB highlights. It really annoyed me when he scored on Hartenstein and then Hartenstein got blocked by him. That really annoyed me a lot, but that's probably because I spent too much time on Twitter. But um, I haven't been crying tears to sleep about OB. Uh, I'm probably not going to be that worried about RJ. I haven't been worried about Kevin Knox. Uh, I love Frank Milikina. One crying to tears to sleep the few times he had a good game on Dallas. I have a feeling like quickly is going to be someone we missed. But the, the larger point is that, um, yeah, it's just weird to think that like so many guys, and, and there's a guy who was on that team that I think the Knicks should trade for. I think you'll probably figure out who I'm thinking now that they need a shooting guard who can create. And um, Detroit is. Detroit won tonight, so maybe that keeps Alec Burks. But I think they should trade for Alec Burks. But uh, anyway, I, I know I interrupted you, but I'm saying like it's just it is a weird feeling. I haven't felt this way like just such a weird shift in terms of who the team is since that mellow trade. That's what I keep coming back to. My kid's favorite Nick was Obi, and when um, we used to always watch all the games together. But since me and me and her mother split um that doesn't happen so they're not as aware of like everything as they used to be so when i told them recently that obi was no longer a nick like i could see reflected like in my kid like the jarring like they were not have you seen not that a, responded to, to forever t- they're, they're not a 45 year old nick fan who just rolls with it like it was it was an issue to her that obi was to them that obi was gone have, and, have you seen have you seen this tweet the ruth kwanda forever tweet i have not uh, this woman tweets it. Are you familiar with Black Panther? Yeah. Yeah. So this woman tweets when, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. She It's like a white woman. No. 
and she's like, I told I just told my 10-year-old daughter that Ruth that RBG died. And she started to tear up. And oh. then she she did the the, the Wakanda X. And she said, Ruth Conda forever. <laughs> that was like I, I think your your daughter sounds well, one, that sounds like the fakest story I've ever heard. But also like I'm sure your daughter had a better reaction to Ruby. They were good. they were, you know, it, it reminded me of um it didn't hit them the same way, but like there's a moment where you're struck by the reality that this is a business. Like for me as a kid, it was when Daryl Strawberry signed with the Dodgers. Like I couldn't, there was no way Daryl Strawberry was going to leave. Like Daryl Strawberry was the Mets. He was childhood. And now he's leaving somewhere for more money. Like that was a different, that was just a different flavor that sports had not had to me before. And like you're saying, it is a little, when you, when you step back, like, it struck me today, like, wow, like, a lot of people are gone from just when my kid was watching games with me two years ago. You know, I mentioned Alonzo Trier, that, that he might as well be Churchill as far as how far back in the past that shit goes. Um, and it was, I, I wrote a piece, um, I think it'll probably come out tomorrow in the Strickland about looking back at quickly in RJ, and it was nice to write it because I spent, I think the immediate, however many couple of hours, maybe after the trade got made, all you're thinking, at least for me is like, first I'm, I'm trying to break down like what I think of the trade, like analytically. And then I'm thinking like, okay, what, what does this mean as far as something I'm going to write or something I'm going to pot? You start thinking about it in terms of like work that you're going to create out of it. And it took like hours before I was able to just as a fan process, like RJ Barrett is gone and Emmanuel quickly is gone. And like, aside from everything else, like when I get to just sit and be alone with myself as a fan, like I loved quickly, like since his first preseason game, like he's been like loved, like such a, such a popular Nick, easy to watch play. Um, Not just all the, and beyond just the like, the stuff that matters, the the data and the numbers and the analysis and the X's and O's, just literally the Rangers used to have a guy named uh, Sergei Zubov, who was a and he was the most beautiful skater. Like just if you just watch the way that he skated, would handle the puck and skate, he stood out from everybody. He wasn't the best player; he was a very good player, but like there was just something about the way that he moved that was like striking. And I remember with my kid and my when we would watch quickly, like quickly defending quickly with the ball like there's a very dancer's quality just to the way that quickly like can move his body and it's, it stands out um particularly on a team that has a lot of people who are more likely to go through you than around you um it's one thing that makes brunson like i think so striking like he's so good at at juking and this is a team where like randall will go through you hart will go through you hartenstein will go through you um even the nick guards can be and but like quickly was this this you know, just different kind of like a lightning bug kind of just a different quality. I will miss him very much just watching him play like and watching him every season doing something to like improve his game. Like it should be said that well, one reason this hurts is that quickly is probably, I would say having his best season, not just in terms of pro rated, but like in his production, he's probably having his best season 
despite well, getting less more this year. He's scoring more per game yeah. this year than last year. He's shooting um, better. He's scoring. Everything is basically you're seeing a guy who is still a couple years away from his prime and is is very – it's incredible to think, like, this guy was, was Lou Williams a couple of years ago, and now it's I – mean, okay. yeah. And now it's like, okay, what what two way multi dimensional guard do I have to think of instead? Because Lou Williams doesn't cut it. I got one for you, and this is how I end up. Who do you think is the most underrated guard in the last fifteen years? Frank Nilikin. Um <laughs> underrated guard. That's a big question. Um, on the Knicks in the league. In the league, and I'll give you a hint. He went to. A school I hate. The guy I'm thinking of. It's not Scooney Penn. It's the not Red School, though. It's not Michael Red. Um, it's not Evan Turner. It's uh... he, he's not known for his time there. He played with Greg Oden, though. Oh, uh, Conley. Yeah, that is like that's who I think his career is going to be like. He mm. might make one All Star game late, or he might make yeah. one or two. I don't think he has quite like he's just Conley's not a good that's... shooter. Conley's a really good shooter. I think quickly is too. Do you? Uh, and he's smaller. I I I oh I I get it. Like he, his release is lower, but he's turned into a good mid range shooter. Like he's he's improved and like he's yeah. he's shooting thirty eight percent from three. He's only shooting twenty nine percent even now from the corners, which is the gimme. Wow. And he's he's improved there. Um. I think that, and he gives you like, is was Conley the best distributor? No, he could do that. Was he the was he gonna like Pat Beverly? No, but he was so good in just understanding what you're doing on defense and quick and long enough to do all those things. That's how I see Quickly's career turning out. Which ultimately, we look back on this trade, and if OG helps put us over the top, you're like, we lost Mike Conley. That kind of sucks, but uh, but that's how that's who he compares me to. No, I, I think it's interesting that like. You know, for me, I don't want to say it was the low point, but a very it was definitely a trough or a gully when the Knicks traded the day. I I think it's um it's one of those moments where you remember where you were, right? I remember when KP was traded. I actually worked at the NBA at that time, and um, I was in a meeting, <laughs> and I got a notification on Woj, and then I got a million texts because all my friends knew I was a Knicks fan. They're like, dude, KP's getting traded. What the fuck? What or no, no, it, it didn't even happen. Like it was like the Knicks are in conversations to trade KP. Then ten minutes later, it's like he's going to Dallas. Ten minutes after that, this is the compensation. They're getting Dennis Smith. Oh wow! And my t- phone was just blowing up, and I was in a meeting. And also, that meeting was just like the air, air conditioning was broken. Um, so it wasn't even. It was winter still, I think, but it was just hot as fucking balls there. And I'm just sweating my ass off. It was a two-hour meeting, and I'm like, I just need to get to posting and toasting, please, because I'm just toasting here now. I need to at least be posting also. And um, you know, and um, that was, and then the next thing that happened that was significant was they traded Marcus Morris for the 27th, or they no, they did get RJ first. They got RJ. That was the next big thing that happened. That felt like all right, we missed. And then they ended up missing on KD and um, Kyrie. RJ is like, all right, let's do this. We signed Julius Randle. Then the next big thing that happens, we didn't realize how big it was at the time, they traded for the 27th pick, and they get IQ. And both of those guys are now gone, but that, those were, like, I think the key turning points, right? They get 
whatever you want to say about RJ's tenure, this was a guy that was drafted third. They thought of him as a consolation prize. This was, this was Duke's one of Duke's star players of the top recruit in his class, even though Zion ended up being rated higher uh, in the draft. And like I like this was actually like, you know, it, like someone said this on the strict court, like, you know, I, I forget exactly how he said it, but he was like, I'm a Nick. Whoa. You know, like he was just like kind of and like it. we had never felt that for so long. Right. Mm-hmm. And we lost KP, the one guy who I, you know, I, I don't know about you. I don't know what your relationship with Porzingis was. I loved Porzingis when he was here, um, mm-hmm. especially since like it was everything. It, it felt like when we drafted Porzingis, he um, I remember Stephen A. Stephen A. fucking quoted Malcolm X. <laughs> Can you think about just let's talk about how preposterous that is. Like, I know, I know neither, neither of you and me have a ton of respect. for. He was like, we've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, run amok. And he's, he hadn't watched KP play. He admitted that two months later. He's like, well, I, I hadn't watched him play. I just was told that he was, you know, a developmental project guy. He's like, so you don't watch him play. But I don't even believe you were told him. I think that every time there is someone with a funny name, whether it's Usman Dieng or Frank Nilakina or Christoph Sorzingis, like, and that's his whole thing, right? But I don't I don't think it's sensationalist to say that if somebody's name sounds European, this is the same fucking guy who said Jokic doesn't have a post game, right? He said Jokic isn't a dominant post player. So if the guy's European, you're just going to think he sucks. But that was your whole thing to be a fucking clown. And KP proved that wrong off the bat. And and he said all the right things. And he, he said the wrong things when he got traded. Even now, I have no – He's a, besides the fact that he's a Celtic and I just don't like Boston Celtics, I don't have any ill will towards him. I think he had a – you know, he was a 21-year-old kid. I don't think the Knicks necessarily did right by him. And, and But he, he's – but that was the – and then we finally had another guy. It's like, all right, this is our new kind of guy. And then we get quickly, and um, and with quickly, yeah, I'll say this: like everything that people from when he was, I, I wrote his draft profile for the Strickland. I wrote his and a guy named Malachi Flynn, who might sound familiar to you, um, because he's now a Nick. Um, and I preferred Flynn. I actually on draft night I did a pod. With I liked Ty- Flynn. I did a pod with Tyrese and Prez and Schwinn, and when they drafted quickly. I was like, oh, they could have gotten Flynn, and like, I was a little disappointed because I like quickly a lot, but I, I didn't think he was, I did, he wasn't gonna, I, he hadn't played point guard in college. Um, he played with Maxi and a guy named Ashton Higgins, who you know, those were the guys on ball more and quickly. Just what I should have realized is like he still won SEC Player of the Year despite playing next to two great players, and despite a guy named Anthony Edwards was also in the SEC that year. Quickly was the SEC Player of the Year, hmm. um, and. Um, you know, but I remember like writing that profile and he, he comes in and he's a skinny fucking kid and he comes in in that Cleveland preseason game. He gets seven assists, simple things, um, you know, injured to start the year, comes in, just makes simple passes, but plays so wall off Randall. Do you and, remember how disappointing it was when he got hurt like early, like already, yeah. already just at that point, it was like, oh, and and he and he played really well all year, and then he was even better with Rose, right? Um, and um, and RJ too that year was great, and that was the and they were at the center of that resurgence. Um, so it's it's tough to see them leave. Uh, we should talk a little bit more about the Knicks themselves now. Um, I'm gonna do a thread 
to kind of, I don't want to say eulogize quickly, because I think this is going to be more of a renaissance for him in, in, a, in a way of speaking. Uh, in Toronto, I, 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 I'm, I'm on record. I'll say this. Like, he's averaging 25 or whatever per 36. I think we'll get to 25 and 5 on a 20 comma 5 and 5 in Toronto. I think he's a great fit with Barnes. Um, I do think, though, this is an exciting trade for the Knicks. Um, I talked about a little bit what they can do with OG. Um, you mentioned Precious Achua. Um, you know, he, I, he's he's been a solid big. He's switchable. I think he's a little bit – he gives you a lot of what Jericho Sims in theory gives you in terms of the athleticism and not being a huge big, but, you know, the, the agility and all of that um, in the – I don't want to say he's not Bam Adebayo, obviously. He's, Bam is very much one of one, but he's in that mold. Uh, you know, he takes threes, doesn't really shoot them well, but has a little bit more outside of the paint. Uh, you know, what excites you about Precious? Besides the infinite Lord of the Rings references we're going to see. Oh, my God. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, first, I, I just really... The roster imbalance has been getting to me, and it was concerned. Well, I, I wasn't concerned yet because there's there's still so much time that you could have made a move. But in in a zoom out sense, what excites me about it is like I think the Knicks like identified a need and they nailed it pretty quickly at a low price on a player who Did allowed. You just them... use a quickly pun after you railed against uh, it. Nah. Sorry, guys. I know you guys get context, but I wanted to highlight. <laughs> This may this may be the last quickly quickly pun Stacy gets to make, so we're gonna let him have that one tonight. Um, from the zoom out sense, I like the fact that they went out and got a, a, a legitimate big man, a legitimate rotation big man who lets you to some extent. Um, for two reasons, I don't think Tom Thibodeau is gonna want to chew a cut and loose from three, but he he can he will take a shot from there, and that alone is a different gravity than Hartenstein possesses or Sims. Taj will go out to the corner, but I don't really think teams are worried about that either. So so he presents that component. He has improved from what I've read and looked at in his numbers as a passer this season. It sounds like he's become a little bit more patient. Um, he's not making like crazy complicated passes, but um, his assists are up and reading about him, um, I think it was on one of the reviews in The Athletic, uh, someone from Toronto was talking about how he just he looks to be more like a sudden oh, something's clicked for him as a passer, which I think if you're going to be a center on the Knicks this season, that's a nice component to have. I like the fact also, given that Mitch is out for the season, I was not crazy about like Clint Capella in the sense that I think it would cost a lot. And then you've got this giant contract on the books. Like there are a lot of reasons, but other than Clint, Clint Capella being a fairly like reasonable facsimile of Mitchell Robinson, the cost was like very high. But I wanted, but but he's not Mitch. He can't do the Mitch thing. So if and I'd rather get a big who could do some like because Mitch is going to come back and we'll see what they do when that happens. But I would rather get a guy who can do some of the not Mitch things. I I, I still want Olinick by for Sporth, but that was the guy to me. But Uchua is a little bit in that mold where there's more versatility there, right? So. And since you can't replicate what you lost, then double down on something different. Because not only are you competing for this season, but you're trying to learn. With RJ gone, and I think, like you said earlier, that's somewhat a, a concession to this man does not have the trade value that we thought he did even a year ago. With him gone, 
Mitch now slots in, I think, potentially, like, he has to go higher up in your order of, like, if I'm going to trade people to make, like, something happen. Like, he's an appealing piece. Why not spend a season? Let's see how you play with two centers who don't play like Mitchell Robinson. And Hardenstein's a free agent, too, right? So... Yeah, so like let's let's max out on that. Let's see how it is as a look because you might learn with different players. You know what? And then that might also impact. There's obviously a move coming at two. I don't see unless they get Embiid, which I don't see happening. I don't see Quentin Grimes like in this new phase of like okay, this is phase two now. Like Quentin Grimes can be your two guard last year when you're in that phase of what you're doing. But I think now the next move probably comes not probably but could very well come there and then... yeah grimes and mitch now look like I, unless they do trade randall right which they might uh and og gives you again that's another reason to like this og move if they have to play og at the four you can do that so it gives you i don't think they are at the point where they want to trade randall yet i think they'd still probably like to keep him i would like to keep him uh, but if he has another shitty playoffs, he's not gonna he's not gonna lose his trade value at this point. People know what he is. He's a he's guaranteed twenty and ten for a regular season on a good um, contract. Uh, I mean that will be after next year he'll have to re up. But even then, like you're probably in a good spot. Um, you know, I, I think that OG gives you that flexibility too. I think the move has to come with the two though, right? That's gonna be the next whatever upgrade they make. It's gonna be a shooting guard. There is the one person they've been rumored to forever. That is who I think it's the most likely. But you have, I'm not a fan of DeJounte Murray, but that's an option. I'm not a fan of DeRozan. That's been valued as an option. And, you know, Phoenix right now looks like a tire fire. Will they rise up from the flames? Matt, you got to appreciate that one. I need some kudos on that. But if Phoenix does not rise out of the flames, then, you know, potentially Devin Booker or maybe KD is in play. You know, I, I, does Durant regret not coming to the Knicks? Uh, I don't know, <laughs> um, but he's not a two guard, but Duran is the kind of guy you can play anywhere. But, um, but it seems like it will be a two, right? Like a I shooting guard. The, the only, and an idea that you raised that is, would be fascinating to see it unfold. If you remember 10 years ago, circumstances forced Mike Woodson to play Carmelo Anthony at the four. He would not have done it otherwise. He said so. And, the game was hitting a point where having a player like that at that spot was much more of a positive than the tradition, the, the negatives that it might've traditionally brought have kind of been weeded out of the ecosystem. And like, it was a lot of, a lot of good came from that. Um, I wonder the point that you raised earlier in a conventional sense, like, and certainly in a Thibodeauian sense, like you would, you can't play Julius Randle at five. You can't do it. Did you but, say Thibodeauian? I did. Is it um, Tibidorian or is it Tibidorian? Tibidorian with an X, but the X is, is silent. Um, <laughs> you have an opportunity now where, again, if you and, and I thought of it when you mentioned Boston specifically, you have an opportunity to, what can we do that other teams have to deal with? Like, not us matching up with them, but again, now you're, you're, now you're at the point where, like, if you're trying to get where you're trying to get to, it's about dictating, not responding. What can you bring that someone has to deal with that is going to be a challenge? If you can have Randall at five, just brainstorming here, and I don't know, be at four and Brunson and then figure out what you want to do ultimately at your, at your wings, but maybe that's similar 
because in the Orlando game, and Orlando's not a small team. Um, in the Orlando game, not huge minutes, but you saw that, like, if you have Randall, RJ put up a very competitive effort against Bancaro, who's much bigger than him. Um, RJ had some nice moments in that. And maybe maybe something clicked that night, and the Knicks saw, like, wow, if that was, I don't know, it would be an RJ. But when you see that and realize, like, okay, if you're playing Boston and, like, KP has to deal with Randall, like, Randall can, Randall can take KP, like, down low. Um, so, and, I remember you know, being on the other side of that. The, there was that game. Yes. Where Singus dropped 37, 11, and 5. I was at that game. Overtime win. Nice, nice. It was, like, 37, 11, and 5. KP dropped. But Randall, Randall bodied him. I think he had, like, 27 and 15 or something. So, um, so if, if you have it on an Obi now that allows you, if you have especially, um, I don't know who, I don't know what they're going to, I don't know how you feel in the wing, but let's say it's Hart. Let's say it's Randall, I don't know, be Hart, Grimes, Brunson. Okay. You've got three players who can defend, three players who can defend on ball, three players who do not need the ball in their hands to be a threat on offense, on offense. Two so players who are really good shooters and Hart who can make a three. Like if if Hart and is Brunson, the fifth, of course, is the elite shooter. So if Hart is your fifth best shooter in a five out lineup, and you can have Brunson on one. Oh, I wanted to ask you this. Um, this came up when you were talking earlier about chemistry between Randall and Quickly. Randall, his second year here, had amazing chemistry with Reggie Bullock. I thought he had pretty good chemistry with Fournier the year that Fournier played. We've seen what happened with him and quickly. Do you feel that the Knicks don't run as much Randall Brunson two-man game as you would think? They've done it more of late, but it's been more ghost screens. They've been trying to get Randall the ball on the move. Mm -hmm. And I think because of Brunson's on-ball gravity, I think they've maximized that by having him moving away from like the, the defense shift towards Brunson to anticipate a drive the way they wouldn't with with Fournier or, or Bullock. And I think like the play I really love that they ran, I think Benji or, or DJ Ace NBA on Twitter broke this down, but Randall passes the ball or he hands it off to Brunson. So it looks like it's a DHO action. Then he goes screens for someone else and then goes around. Brunson throws the ball over him. Now Randall has a runway to the rim because the defense is focused on a potential Brunson drive. To you answer your question, no, I don't think they run a ton of that. Uh, I don't know how much it was by design. I do think quickly is just a, also a really good screener. Like, I mean, <laughs> side note, Golden State took James Wiseman at three, at, at two. two. They could have, everyone talks about Lamelo, Halliburton, Maxi, Bain. If they took Emmanuel quickly at two, Emmanuel quickly got to play with Steph Curry. In that offense, <laughs> they have, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm gonna say they'd have another ring. I'll say that at least, because um, he's exactly what they he can give you a lot of what Jordan Poole gave them when they did win the ring, but uh, so much more. But he answered your question. I think part of it is also quickly had that, um, like quickly had Randall. I don't want to say respect. I think Randall is like he's a great teammate. I think. First of all, like people harp on the fact that he's yelled at his teammates on the floor and stuff. He's yelled at quickly. I think he has quickly's respect because quickly will not only set up something with them, but he will coordinate the offense. 
Brunson can do that. Um, but like I said, I think that they try to kind of have them operate on different sides of the floor because of the gravity that each commands. But I think that's what was the difference between the gravity with Fournier and Bullock is that quickly could could involve Randall and involve the bigger picture. And Randall really trusted him. Um, but um, but to answer your question, yeah, I think two-man sets with Randall in general work pretty well. Even today, like Fournier, uh, you know, the Knicks obviously had their shortcomings playing him. He threw some, like, this is a weird thing to focus on. His entry passes were awesome. Like, he had a couple to Randall. I was like, oh, it's going to get knocked away, right? He has had a longer defender on him, and he threw it like it was, you know, <sighs> Pat Mahomes throwing a fade pass to Kelsey, right? It was the right spot. And, and Randall scored. So, um, but that's kind of my answer to that. I'm going to close with, with three thoughts for you. One is you will, you will never know how heartwarming it is for anyone who watched the Knicks offense in the nineties, hear you in praise of a good entry pass. Like you will never, <laughs> ever, ever see me tired of hearing that. So much respect to Evan Fournier. Um, a shout out to quickly, not anything he did intentionally, but I think this is a an 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 under maybe an underrated significant part of the quickly Nick story. Porzingis was a great draft pick by the Knicks in part because I I I, I covered Phil Jackson did an event uh, for season ticket holders that that season um, late in the year, and I was someone there. gave us a posting and posting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I was there too, and Phil at that thing, um, they asked him specifically like what kind of player he was looking for in the draft, and he specified that like he wanted a big because this was still when Jaleel Okafor was like uh, a, the number you know, one. He's going to go pretty high in the draft. He had been the number one for a lot of that year, and he was still. And Phil very specifically even, even said he wanted draft night. There was a debate between him and Towns, right? So obviously, that went up one way, but he was still in the conversation. So. And it's surprising when the Lakers took D'Angelo over him, but sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Phil said specifically that he wanted a big man who could defend, and like it got it got a round of like there was a spontaneous applause from everyone there because like I think people knew that meant like okay, it's not Okafor, like, and to me I felt like good. That means like because there was a lot of risk in taking Porzingis, and I had written the the scouting report for PNT on him that year, and like. A lot of people for Stephen A reasons and other reasons, like it was a big risk. And I thought I wrote when they drafted him, what regardless of how he turned out, that I was su- supportive of the move because it showed that the Knicks like were taking a big swing in a spot where take the big swing on that, t- take the big swing on that kind of guy. And you saw like that it, it it was working out in a lot of ways. Then two years later, when they have a first round pick again, the draft in the Kina, and I thought that was a fine pick. Because I thought, like, okay, if KP is your future and he's, you know, a, a big part of your offense, obviously, and now you add this guy with, like, Nilekina shop, um, Porzingis' shot blocking and Nilekina's supposed defensive, like, powers, like, wow, that's a great foundation, you know, fit around that. And then they drafted Kevin Knox, and that was the point where I was like, okay, this is a little weird because Porzingis doesn't want to play center, uh, even if he does then you need a four who can like rebound and defend. And like, those are not things that Kevin Knox was projected to do. And then after they drafted Kevin Knox, they drafted RJ and RJ was like, cool. 
But nobody was like, yeah, because we had all year been waiting for Zion, Zion, Zion. And then this very important moment comes in the history of the franchise recently where they make a pick in the lottery that really wasn't a good pick. Um, and you, nobody can know at the time how things are going to happen. But like it, it was a questionable pick at the time. It was not an incredibly popular pick at the time that it was made. And if that had been it for their draft that year, if that had been their draft pick and that had been how it turned out, their history plays out completely differently. By getting five, they get, yeah. I just wrote quickly. So quick, this is the biggest to me, like RJ quickly difference. And, and they're both, like we said, they're both loved for many reasons. But in terms of like, the difference here rj has played more minutes than anyone in his draft class and he is 17th in win shares quickly has played the eighth most minutes of anyone from his draft class and he's fourth in win shares and win shares is let me guess who's ahead of him ant halliburton bane it has to be ant halliburton bane right i believe that's correct i know bane is i believe it's the other two also um so I mean that means one of those guys or Maxi is behind quickly and win shares, which is pretty fucking insane because they're all all stars. Halliburton. Oh, it's Halliburton. It's Halliburton, Maxi, Bain, quickly. Edwards is seventh. Oh, so he's, he's ahead of Lamelo too. He's ahead of yeah. After quickly, he's it's ahead, a he's ahead of Anthony Edwards. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So, in that light, this was a terrible trade. But I think that um. Well, no, I, I think what you're saying is, like, he was, he was a, one of their biggest hits on a draft pick, which, by the way, he is was not good what for a lottery pick. pick. He was good for a lottery pick, let alone the 25th pick in the draft. Side yeah. note, just to tell you how difficult this can be, I love Shea Gilders Alexander in college. He was a guy, I started reading a blog called The Stepian. When he was still coming off the bench for Kentucky, yes. they were like, watch out for this guy. Loved his game. I didn't know if he was sudden enough to be a starting point guard. And I was like, well, we already have a combo guard who's six six with a seven-foot wingspan named Frank Nilakina. Are they going to be redundant? So moral of the story is, among many other things, don't listen to me because um, I, I would have taken over Knox, but I was probably like, ah, I get why the Knicks wouldn't take SG because of that, which um, in retrospect looks very, very, very stupid. Well, uh, if you, that was if you guy, like that's... to see what that looks like more stupid, that was me when I wrote that the Knicks didn't, they probably shouldn't go after Jason Tatum if he's available because they already have Carmelo. So they don't <laughs> need like another forward who's a scorer. Um, last interesting thing for me from all this, which was just recently uh, substantiated by a late breaking story. I think there's a, there's a, there's a space now with, at the back of point. DiVincenzo can run some point and, and there's, you know, Randall does a lot of ball handling, but like I was very excited at the thought of Miles McBride getting more playing time. I like Miles McBride. I, I feel like I want to see what he can do. I remember him being the, you know, he was the Thibodeau guy. Like everybody, this is a Thibodeau, this is a Thibodeau point guard. And recently, just in the last hour or so, news came out that, or whatever, maybe a couple hours ago, that the Knicks have signed McBride to a three year extension. Uh, for $13 million, which is a very good deal for the Knicks. Gives him some financial security. Um, But I'm excited. You know, Malachi Flynn to me, 
I'm glad he's on the roster for depth. Like I'm glad that he's there. He's a he's a perfectly cromulent NBA player, as the Simpsons would say. But <laughs> I like Miles McBride getting more minutes. And I I wrote this long before the season even started that like if quickly was going to go at some point, if McBride gets to play more, like I'm down for that. You can put me down today as down for that. Yeah, it's um it, well the Knicks have been. A very bad defensive team. They've played a lot of good teams. They lost Mitch. Um, I don't think the DiVincenzo for Grimes swap has worked out. Uh, even though DiVincenzo has been incredible. I mean, what thirty-eight tonight? Um, yeah, he's been he's been a huge upgrade on offense. He is even with quickly here. He was their best shooter in the mm-hmm. rotation. Mm-hmm. I think he's even better than Fournier as a shooter. Um, wow, maybe. Um, well, he, I mean, he's coming from the shooting program, right? <laughs> if Golden State says a guy's a shooter, you can probably trust he's a shooter. Um, but, um, you know, I think that with McBride, he gives you some perimeter defense. You know, some of those games where we're getting torched by, you know, any guard, right? You, you wish he was out there. Yep. My guess is that I think Molokai Flynn will take that spot. Um, but I think McBride will get minutes. Uh, I think they signed him because now they do have a guard depth issue. They do not want to, if somebody's heart is not a paragon of health, right? Um, Being the backup four is not going to help with that. Yeah. So he's not, a, but even before that, he wasn't a paragon of health because he, he, and part of it is his play style. Yeah, he, he plays, yeah. I, I, you know, it's the same thing with Rafa Nadal and is my favorite tennis player ever. Uh, because of his play style, he has been subject to more wear and tear than veteran Djokovic. I don't know how big of a tennis fan you are, but um, that's my Michael Chang was my my men's favorite uh-huh. to watch. The underhand serve. He'll beat Ivan Lendl. That's one of the most legendary matches. Chang, Chang versus Agassi matches were like the absolute best on the men's side. I've never seen a better matchup. They were perfect against each other. Yeah, so much quickness and, and uh, craft there, right? Chang been um, running around all day all day um but with i think malachi flynn he is a very tough defender uh somehow for a small guard again stop you've heard this before his defensive box plus minus has been positive for most of his career now, he plays on a good defensive team with a lot of long defenders in toronto we'll see if that holds up but he is no slouch as a defender uh he's probably at least divincenzo level and he is far superior as a shooter than what's demonstrated in the nba to mcbride uh he's also quicker with the ball um, I think McBride gives you an elite ability. I mean, the the Knicks used like if and when McBride is ever not a Nick, I will talk about this forever. I'll talk about it now. There was five minutes in Game Three of the Cleveland series game, the Cleveland series. I know five minutes, right? Go watch the minutes that Deuce McBride played in Game Three of the Cavs series last year. He had Donovan Mitchell in hell. If Donovan Mitchell does not want to come to New York. One reason might be that he has to face this fucking guy every day in practice. Like there was like you were just you had this feeling that he's gonna be seeing this dude in his fucking nightmares. Um just that there was that one shot attempt where Mc, Mitchell gave him the business on a crossover, McBride wasn't fooled, went to him fake, fake, up fake, and then he has this like long scoop layup, and you're like, Wow, Donovan Mitchell, like fucking Donovan Mitchell looks like a mid-major guard just trying to throw up a prayer against against the third string backup, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that's just what McBride... So that's the kind of outlier thing there. But I think if they're looking for someone to run that second unit, unit bench offense, I think it's 
I think uh, Malachi Flynn has the advantage there. I'll throw this there though. If they get a guy, I I'm looking at this now. I look at the team in Michigan that just won tonight against that wrapped. We just we gave Detroit a big assist, by the way, right? Because they traded OG. They still didn't have quickly and um, an RJ. They they traded a bunch of players. The same shit we went through against Indiana. They went through against Detroit, and they were the team with that ignominious crown. I look there. There's a six six combo six six combo guard who played in New York, who can run the bench offense. Tibbs decided he could run the starting offense, can defend. If the Knicks were to trade for Alec Burks or a guy like that, that's where it opens up, I think, minutes for McBride, where he doesn't have to run the offense. Because I, I loved McBride out of college. I still think his, his defense on ball and off ball is an elite trait. He played quarterback and I think linebacker, and he looks like a linebacker. Um, a guy uh, like a, an elite linebacker, uh, and I think I, I'm higher in a shot. Uh, I just don't necessarily trust him to run an offense. I think Flynn has the advantage there, but if they get a guy like Alec Burks, that probably gives McBride more of an advantage there. But I'm happy he's a Nick. Um, the other guy you didn't mention, but I'm also curious if this opens up. You know, Rokas Yokobitis has avoided coming to the states for a couple of years now because, like, well, where are the minutes? You can barely find minutes for quick. You can't find minutes for McBride. You can barely find minutes for quickly. Where does Rokas Yokobitis fit in? He's been killing in Europe. Um, I wonder if this opens up a spot for him. Um, so they, they, they still have a lot of options. They have a lot of fun young players huh, at that position, which I don't know if that necessarily influences the decision to trade a very proven guy in quickly, but it definitely gives them a lot of backup options. Where is he, Madrid or Barcelona? Barcelona, I believe. Do they do they come over? Can they come over during the year? No, I can't remember. I, I asked about that today. <laughs> What's I was, the deal? I kind of no. They have, he has to come up after the season. <laughs> he's under contract. He's, he's he under can't contract? come. Yeah, he can't come. And I don't think they would. I mean, because if he came over midseason, he'd have to pick up the offense um, and prove himself in practice mm-hmm. and adjust the NBA. If they're going to do that, it, it would be this offseason. Then, and if there's another trade, if they trade Grimes or something, Maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I think McBride can play both spots, certainly defensively. Um, I think he's actually better suited probably as a shooting guard because he's he's so I, I have no problem with him guarding, you know, like a like an Anthony Edwards. So mm-hmm. more than I'd have problem with anyone guarding an Anthony Edwards. So mm-hmm. I don't think that's really an issue. But I also don't see him as being a guy you can just trust to be the main ball handler, which is why Flynn has the advantage as of now. But again, if they got another ball handler who could allow him to do that, um, I think that changes things because he does have a very elite skill that um, for this Knicks team is is important. And I, I think he's going to continue to get minutes in the short term. So we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out soon because the next game is coming up Monday, New Year's Day. The Knicks will host Minnesota. I hope that the players are available for that game. We'll find what out. What time is that? I'm pretty sure it's an afternoon game. Um, I got Michigan-Alabama at 5, so uh, hopefully – at least one of them wins. Um, no offense, guys, but I'm a little more invested in the Michigan game. But <laughs> not because I don't care more, about the Knicks. Are you literally more invested in the Michigan game? If it was the playoffs, no. But, uh, well, it, it is the playoffs for Michigan. It is not the playoffs for the Knicks. I'm very optimistic about them long term. It's 3 p.m., so I'll have a double header of um, probably I should stay away from alcohol that day. So. <laughs> We will wish you well with that, and uh, 
wish Michigan well, and hopefully the Knicks uh, are able to get a win at home against the Wolves on Monday. We will be back with you sometime after that. In the meantime, Happy New Year, everybody. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube